Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, February 20th, and this is your FT News Briefing. UBS names ING boss Ralph Hammers as its next chief executive. Boeing has asked to give up a tax break in order to stop the EU from imposing retaliatory tariffs later this year. And UN peacekeepers are turning to artificial intelligence to negotiate peace agreements. Plus, we'll look at Michael Bloomberg's spending strategy in the Democratic presidential race ahead of Super Tuesday. I'm Amy Keene, and here's the news you need to start your day. Switzerland's largest bank is about to get a new chief executive. UBS confirmed that ING boss Ralph Hammers will replace current chief executive Sergio Armadi. It's a move that was first reported by the FT. Mr. Armadi spent more than eight years turning around UBS after it was bailed out during the financial crisis. During this time, he revived earnings and cleaned up the balance sheet. The Swiss lender is the world's largest asset manager with a total of $2.5 trillion in assets. But several months ago, it was decided that Mr. Armadi's tenure would not be extended, according to FT sources. That's when UBS chairman Axel Weber approached ING's Ralph Hammers. Mr. Hammers led the Dutch lender through the completion of its post-financial crisis restructuring, but his tenure has been more recently marred by a series of major compliance failings. Dutch prosecutors fined the bank a record 775 million euro penalty, and the bank's been banned from taking on new customers in Italy for more than a year. Now, for 16 years, Boeing has received a $100 million tax break in Washington state. That's where the aerospace company has several factories. The tax break has saved Boeing more than a billion dollars since 2004. And now the company is asking for it to be suspended. It's all part of an effort to stop the EU from imposing billions of dollars in retaliatory tariffs this summer. That's when Boeing is hoping to bring the troubled 737 MAX jet back into service. This is all about a battle between Boeing and Europe's Airbus, which goes back to the early aughts. Both the U.S. and the EU had channeled illegal aid to their respective companies. And last year, the World Trade Organization authorized the U.S. to slap levies on $7.5 billion worth of EU goods. That's because the EU failed to stop support for Airbus aircrafts. And in retaliation, Airbus and EU officials have suggested they could get approval for tariffs in return, which could run into the billions of dollars as well. Both sides have called for a settlement, but neither is willing to make concessions before negotiations begin. And UN peacekeepers are about to start using artificial intelligence to improve the way they develop peace agreements. According to UN estimates, more than $27 billion is spent each year on peacebuilding initiatives around the world. But as many as two-thirds of these don't actually lead to any durable resolution. Often, conflicts resume two or three times after an agreement is signed. But new technology developed by the U.N. along with a New York venture capital-backed startup called Remesh will try to understand what people living in war zones want in a peace agreement. People will be invited both online and through physical invitations to take part in a mass conversation and answer questions or respond to polls on their smartphones. It could be used in countries such as Yemen, Afghanistan and Ukraine. An SMS conversation platform is also under development for populations that don't have good Internet access. And here's a story you should know more about. 
By all accounts, billionaire Michael Bloomberg entered the Democratic presidential race late, but he has made up for it by spending some of his vast wealth on one main thing, advertising. During this year's Super Bowl, which is the most expensive airtime in the U.S., Bloomberg ran a 60-second campaign ad. It's estimated to have cost $10 million. The only other candidate to spend that much money on a Super Bowl ad? Well, that was Donald Trump. FT data journalist Brooke Fox and media correspondent Anna Nicolau trawled through the former New York City mayor's campaign filings to see how his approach stacks up against the other campaigns. Firstly, Bloomberg is spending a lot of money, much more than any other candidate, um, and that's specifically on ad spending in each of the states that we looked at. And when we're looking at the data, you know, California, for example, by far more money spent there than anywhere else, $50 million. The next one would be Texas and then Florida, and each of those were north of $30 million. So looking at that, Initially, what jumped out was the fact that California, Texas, and Florida, these are huge states. They're very populous. And then actually taking that and looking at the delegate count in each of those states as far as what's available for the Democratic primaries, there is a a clear strategy that he's taken, which is that California has uh, the most delegates up for grabs, followed by Texas, followed by Florida. So um, when you take that down the line and look at all the other states that he has spent money in, There's a strong correlation between the number of delegates available in the state and how much money he has spent there. That is quite different from the other candidates uh, who, first of all, just have spent far less money in general, but have concentrated those funds on states that have come earlier in the primary calendar. So Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, these are the states that the other candidates have put most of their money towards. And many of them actually haven't put any money towards states that are much further down the election calendar. Now, advertising is, of course, uh, often the big line item in a presidential campaign budget. But how does Bloomberg's approach compare to to what the ad industry typically expects in an election year? Right. So What he has already spent, having been in the race for a few months now, is already far outpaced even what we saw the presidential candidates uh, this last election cycle. So Donald Trump spent about $350 million in 2016, uh, and Hillary Clinton spent $585 million about. Um, So the fact that he's already spent $400 million and we're not even done with the primaries, not even close to done with the primaries – Basically, he's 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 just putting a lot of money into the campaign system. The interesting thing is he's spending on all kinds of advertising. So ranging from, you know, TV commercials on your local broadcast station to social media influencers to Facebook and online advertising. He's paying like people with online clout, so to speak, to text people and text their friends to vote for him, basically. So he's it's it's a very broad based advertising blitz is how I would describe it. And we're seeing just kind of enormous success with it. Right. Which brings me to the question that, you know, other candidates say Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, they've come out saying that Mr. Bloomberg is just basically trying to buy the election. But I guess the question is, is it working? It's definitely working. He came into this very late. It's almost a year after the other candidates have been already campaigning and talking about their issues on and on. Um, And it's really only been a few months and all of a sudden he's this kind of like new X factor in the race. In the most recent poll, in the national poll, he was in second place behind Bernie Sanders. I think he's been pretty overt about that, saying, I'm going to spend a lot of money and find a way to beat Trump in this election. Mm -hmm. I will be curious to see where it goes 
from here on out. Because normally when we talk about campaign fundraising, we're talking about can they sustain the campaign lot? Like, can they have enough fundraising come in to actually sustain the campaign and not drop out? And here we're actually talking about the opposite, which is how much money can you actually put out there <laughs> and get the effect that you want? And in 2016, you know, um, Hillary Clinton did spend more than Trump and she lost. So what will be the effect of so much money uh, on his popularity with the voters? You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Culture Call, the Financial Times' transatlantic culture podcast, is back for season two. Join us, that's me, Griselda Murray brown in London. And me, Lila Raptopoulos, in New York. We'll be getting together to interview the people breaking new ground in culture. We're also making sense of the trends shaping life in the 2020s. And we'll bring you behind the scenes of the FT's award-winning life and arts journalism. In our first episode, we chat to Marriage Story's Noah Baumbach. So hit that subscribe button and let's discuss our way through the most exciting cultural moments of 2020 together. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.